Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How's your post-Gen Con Monday? Tiring, as we um, usually have. Exhausting. Still, still, still not recovered yet. I think I had a Gen Con ends at four o'clock is when the the hall closes. So basically, the Gen Con is over on a Sunday, and uh, hmm. hour, see, half hour to get things together and compose back to the car. Hour drive back to the house. I got home and passed out for four hours, and I got up and couldn't sleep, and then slept for four hours and went to work, and I'm still exhausted. And here we are recording. <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna say by four o'clock Sunday, I was probably about an hour and a half into a two hour nap. <laughs> yeah, um, I I don't I almost never take naps, but uh, <clears throat> I did not go to the con itself. I didn't get a badge, but I stayed at the house, and uh, we were up. I want to say somewhere in the neighborhood of like. 4 a.m. Wednesday night, 5 a.m. Thursday night, 3 a.m. Friday night, and then by Saturday, we were all in bed by 1, I think, maybe even 12.30. Yeah. Um, and just fatigue. Like, even the second night, I was like, oh, you know, hitting a hitting a sort of fatigue wall around, like, 10, 11 p.m., and then, you know, you get a second wind, conversation gets going. And, uh, yeah, that last five or six years, I, I have... Well, I guess it's been a little bit longer than that, but you know, I've slowly been, you know, understanding Gen Con what to do and and doing things like stre- always stretch before. It sounds like silly things, but you know, also a factor as you get older. Um, you know, sure. stre- stretching on my back because you know, decades of even going to Gen Con every year, you you realize you know how bad you hurt on Sunday. Like I, even when I was you know ten, fifteen years ago, I was physically hurting with my back and could barely walk and feet hurting and swelling for days afterwards. And cause I just, you know, run it like it's a, a normal day. Um, and, and it, and it, yeah, and if, it you're gonna, you. if you're going to do all that walking around, I, I didn't do any of that this yeah. year, but I, I remember learning over the years, like, you know, we had one place where or one year where my air mattress leaked and I sleep on my side. Yeah. So I was basically yeah. sleeping on the floor mm-hmm. and it like, it hurt me to stand and walk. I, I did one of those massage chair things because I had like a twitch in one of my shoulders. A perfect um, example. That's a perfect example. Or I usually, when the weather's warm, I usually wear sandals, right? Because I'm not much of a shorts guy. Yeah. And so that, you know, gives me some, some ventilation and stuff. But I only have to walk, you know, maybe not even an hour, like half an hour walking in sandals and I'm probably going to get like a blister on the top of my foot. Yeah. Um, they're not, you know, they're comfortable, but they're just not, they're not meant for that, especially when it's warm and you're, you know, a little sticky and whatever kind of stuff. So I just, you know, always wore shoes from, from then on. I'm like, this is not, uh, totally going to work. I, I think, I think for a couple of years at the beginning, I, I'm a, uh, anytime I don't have to wear socks, I won't type thing, you know? So, uh, cause I just okay. like, you know, that's the kind of shoes I like or, or even open shoes. Um, but the, um, when you go to Gen Con, you have to wear good shoes type thing, right? You know, and, and mm-hmm. it's because I've had hurt feet so bad. Uh, but anyway, th- so you, yeah, I, I learn over time how to, to manage things, to expect, you know, expectations when it gets late, don't, don't push it, man. I know, I know you want to squeeze, squeeze everything out of the con, but if it's one, 
it's don't stay up till six, you know, if, if you're planning on doing a lot the next day or, you doing know, con stuff. Yeah, yeah. In, in years past, I finally, I don't, I don't really remember last year. That was a different situation, but like the year or two before that, like I definitely had nights where I'm like, you know what, whatever I'm going to miss out on tonight. And obviously I didn't do that this year, but whatever I'm going to miss out on tonight, I can, uh, uh, is not going to be worth, um, you know, being, being kind of miserable all day. Now, in this case, I knew that if I really needed to, there were going to be opportunities to, um, you know, to lay down and take a nap or, or something like that. But it's different, you know, being on the road, I, you know, and as much as like we get on and do virtual nights, we do, we don't do that as much now that most everything is opened back up and you guys can all get together in person. And so I just don't get, uh, um, you know, I don't get to hang out and, and chat with people and it's just a different, it's a different time. Those, those late night chats. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 um, for for me, I, I I do things like you know, if I if I if I look ahead, you know, I'm scheduling an eight a.m. game, which I did have one this year. You know, mm-hmm. that's the night I have to not overdo it the day before. You know, you have to make right. sure that you um, take the shower before bed so that you're relaxed, and then um, you know, go to bed in a normal bed. Like you said, don't don't sleep with a, 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 a if your air mattress is low, make a priority on good sleep and. Um, so you have an 8 a.m. Before I would I would play games until two and then have an 8 a.m. You know and drive mm-hmm. to the house and drive back and sleep on a couch and uh, so that that brings me. But even then, I guess what I'm trying to say here is that even then, with all that knowledge, I still it's still a difficult thing. It's still a long, wonderful but very long. What we have is five days of gaming from Wednesday to, to Sunday, uh, kind of an event. It's a long, arduous thing. And this year I had. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice is be very aware of what you're going to buy and how you're going to do it because mm. games, one game may not be too much, but if it's like 16 by 16 square game with say four inches thick, you're carrying that around this square brick for a long time. And then if you're getting four of them, what are you going to do? Right. Gen Con has a terrible thing of, of, of giving like the flimsiest little bags um, to, you know, that you get a grocery store, the thinnest thing and they'll rip. Uh, so you know what you, you bring backpacks, but then you don't realize how much three games in a backpack weighs on you after you walk for three hours, you know, right. Even a small add five, 10 pounds to you. It adds a lot. Um, so, you know, and that's what, that's what had happened this year is that, um, I was still smart about it. I got a, I got a new backpack that sits nice on my shoulders the right, the right way. It's, spacious and it's almost like a nice game thing i bought games that only fit in there um and sid and i had both kind of worked that out but still even with that minimal and thoughtful planned out thing i still was i still was you know here i am today really exhausted and and i had to there was a a, i made i had to because i knew it was going to get worse like i left the con walked all the way because i parked like four blocks away parked Mm. you know big blocks uh, walked back to the car, dropped things off, and walked all the way. And I actually, what I did there was drive the car back and find a find a street parking spot. Um, mm. So that when you do, that's another thing too. Is like if you're going to walk a lot, realize what part where parking is, and it's, it's a whole lot for a con. You know, I don't mean that to be discouraging to anybody to go. Thing you should go and like totally wreck your body. That's totally what you should do. So that, <laughs> I mean, really, so you can get that experience, and then you know, 
after we've been gone now for almost 20 years, um, you, you know, you just learn these little things. Uh, and even then you'll still get tired and beat. Um, sure. Yeah. And, and like yeah, I had a, I had an internet friend go to where he went to some, I don't know if it was a comic con or something, but I looked up the, one of those rules people, people do the sets of like three, two, one or five, three, four, three, two, or something that they're like, uh, get, what, what are they? Maybe it's five, five, three, two. I don't remember, but it's like, get at least this many hours of sleep. Like, regardless like and it's a low number it's like one it's four or five it's the high number in that list but like relatively low to your like recommended amount of sleep like yeah you don't have to sleep eight hours right. but at least sleep four right um and then maybe it's yeah and then and then meals like at least two solid meals like however you do that don't don't try to survive a whole weekend on like snacks convention hall pretzels <laughs> pretzels yes things like that yeah that's uh, that's good advice too and sit then, down and get, get a real meal and then and then shower every day and one of the lists has like shower twice like, <laughs> right yeah. okay you even you like i've sometimes because i'm a you know this is a little a bit of an overshare but like generally i'm an every other day shower sure, person yeah. um when it's summer and i'm moving my camp so I, and well, and, and if I go to the gym now, mm-hmm. I'm like, if I go to the gym, I'm taking a shower because I sweat into my, even if I put on clean clothes, I'm like, I'm not going to put clean clothes after I'm all sweaty Yeah. from the gym. And it's the same thing when I have to move camp and go outside and do a bunch of, um, you know, tasks to, to hook up my camper, I'm going to get all sweaty. And so I have at the very least want to like rinse that off of me before, before I do. And so I get. I get at the convention too. Like that's beside um, all the normal advice that we had before the pandemic of like, you know, wash your hands all the time <laughs> and use hand sanitizer because, you know, you don't. And I used to be really laid back about all that kind of stuff. And now I'm like, eh, like, is it worth the extra? Like, yeah, you got, it's, you know, get wet, cold alcohol stuff on your hands and, you got too much and you got to dry it off. Or, you know, <laughs> right. You go in a public bathroom and you wash your hands, but then there's no towels and dryers. So your hands are wet and it's a yeah. whole, it's potentially a whole ordeal, but you're like, you know, the, people get sick and, and die over trivial. Yeah. Little inconvenience like that. And well, so, uh, so that uh, in that, on that vein, so people who are listening, who had, who did not get to attend Gen Con this year, um, Gen, Gen Con, you know, is obviously massive. There's just thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people um, at, at this thing. And um, mm-hmm. so th- they have done, you know, the, they did right, I guess I would say, air quotes here, sure. um, by, you know, here we are a couple years, some people will say past the pandemic or into the pandemic, however you want to say it, um, where mm-hmm. in America... Here in the U.S., we don't have most all masking has been lifted everywhere. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, that's the fact that most people aren't hanging out in with tens of thousands of people, you know, all crammed together. Right. Uh, but Gen Con had did do a very responsible thing this year and um, still made a point of it. 
you know, and said, Hey, we, we are concerned and we want to make sure that this is a thing that should matter. Um, and they required uh, a vaccine vaccination, which I'm sure a lot of people are opposed to or whatever, uh, even though we're not political, it's very, I'm very open to the fact that I'm pro vaccine. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think that of that as a great, wonderful thing that they had done you, to go in this year before you could even get your will call badges or go in, you had to go stand in line and show them proof of your stuff. And you get a little yellow badge, which is fun or wrist, wrist thing, wrist uh, band, which, which is weird because I had to wear that damn thing all weekend and wash with it and everything. But, um, <laughs> but it, it was as Gen Con has done and gotten considerably better with, they move, have moved through people and we got in a line that stretched, it wrapped around the entire convention center, which is really big. Um, and it only took us like 20 minutes to get through it. It was it just a constant walk because they were just doing so well and had all the people just, they knew it was going to be a big thing and they just did it and they just did it quick, um, which was nice. Also, we had to wear masks. So it's, and they were on it all the time. There were a couple of times when I walk in, forgot to put my mask on and there would be a nice person walk up to event staff person randomly and say, Hey, hey sir, you need to have your mask on. I was like, Oh, thank you. You know, n- n- no big deal. They were all kind and polite. But they did enforce it um, at tables and everywhere. So they did good for people like, oh, my gosh, right. you can't do a thing. You know, yes, if you're if you're concerned about, you know, uh, COVID or any, or any diseases, sure. You know, always recommend don't go to a big convention for sure. Um, right. But if you are, Gen Con did the responsible stuff that they could do from their side. And, and I'm happy with that. That being said. It's been over a year now since I've worn my mask regularly, and that was a chore. <laughs> that was sure. it was a pain in the butt. Um, I forget how much my face sweats wearing that for so long, <laughs> like a lot. And I had a thin one I was putting on with my beard and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird. It's a weird thing. I mean, we didn't talk about this last year. Last year they were going to require proof of vaccination, and I. I struggled with going to the con at all. I have a lot of family members who are who are against that. Mm-hmm. I, I personally am somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get COVID vaccines. I did go to Gen Con last year. I wore the mask all the time. But I do not... The, almost nothing in my life required me to wear the mask regularly at all. Yeah, right. Um, when stores had signs and stuff like that, I... I had one. I had uncomfortable ones for a while. Like it, it wasn't until Gen Con that I actually took the time to buy like a particularly not maybe not whatever, just like one that would be comfortable all day. Because mm-hmm, all the mm-hmm. you know normal you know I have kind of a big head and ears and so, and it gets uncomfortable after like five minutes. And I'm like, this has got to be comfortable because I've got to wear it all day, all day. Um, yeah. And I carry it with me when I travel. And because for the first few months that I was that I was on the road, some places, especially if I wanted to go to um, anything federal like national parks or whatever, they they would require it too. And then as <clears throat> as stuff started to open up and uh, you know stop stop requiring it, I'm like, okay, cool. Like I I generally am just mindful of that kind of stuff like i don't like strangers in my space i try not to get in strangers space so you know if i'm if i'm in line at the store like i'm still giving people space yeah all around yeah, me yeah and so so i think you know just 
to me, exercising a little common sense. I know that's a that's probably a trigger phrase for somebody with the way that <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, do your own research is right, for yeah. me. But um I'm like, that's just always my thing. Like if I'm outside by myself, I never wear a mask. So I'm like, who am I of course, breathing? Of course, like, right, yeah. If it's if it's in the air, like smog, this mask is not gonna protect me. Like it's not <laughs> right. a, it's not an N ninety five mask or or anything like that. Um and so it was a little when I heard about them doing the whole wristband thing. We were talking about this at the house um, at Gen Con. We're like, they didn't like they they were going to do it last year and then dropped it. And we're like, we guess we we suspect that's probably just for logistical. Like they couldn't figure out mm, how how to do it right. They were, yeah, how they were going <clears> to <throat> enforce correct. it or sure. whatever. And now they have this whole thing, and that might have even influenced their decision to require it this time. Be like, well, we've got all this system in place now. Yeah. Might as well do it. But honestly, we talked about this over the past few weeks and especially off the air. I'm like, um, a lot of the the things that I wanted to get out of Gen Con every year aren't as relevant to me anymore. Um, but I also just was not, um, um, you know, as much as I will not wear a mask unless... I quote unquote have to, like, <laughs> sure. which, which is basically like if a business puts a sign in their door, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Like, right. You know, I'm, I'm not going to get in anybody's face or be difficult. I'm not that kind of person. Right. Um, but still the idea of potentially Gen Con being back to normal capacity in these times, I was like, eh. no, I don't that, know that, that I, that's, I don't know that I yeah. want to go badly enough. To make up for that, that level of, you know, inconvenience. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. And I actually think um, whatever. The, the worst part about this whole, like, oh, you should or shouldn't do or require vaccination for whatever. Like, here's the thing. Like, you don't have to do a thing. Like, and and I, not only do you not right. have to do it, I encourage you to not do it if you don't feel comfortable or safe or you have religious or personal opinions otherwise. Um you know, I, I encourage you to not do something like almost e- even if it's not a protest, maybe it is a protest, right? Um, mm-hmm. To not go to event or, or whatever because they require a thing. It's my thing about like if you like movies, go pay them to see it. Or or if you don't like uh, uh, that they're putting out movie, don't go to the movie, you know, or whatever it might be. Don't buy that thing. Um, and, you know, Gen Con requiring mask wearing and and if people don't feel I didn't mean to say this as a protest, but like if you don't feel comfortable being around a lot of people or feel safe, not just with COVID, but even with like the ick that always happens and people and bodies and sweaty and all that kind of stuff, you know, it's, it's okay to not go to those things. It's, it's, you know, um, what do people call that? Concred. Concred. Yeah. It's always been a known thing, right? That's, that's sort of, that's sort of my thing. Like I can see being annoyed I made jokes about that line from Office Space about the the pieces of flair, yeah, and the the sort of like heavy-handed nature of it in a time when you know almost nothing is that way. But by contrast, this is a this is a private event. It's opt-in. You have to pay a lot of money to do that, and it's a lot of people in a small space. It's always been a little gross, right? Yeah, I yeah, remember, yeah, um, especially in our perspective I, of knowing what we know. Yeah. I mean, I remember 10 years ago coming for the first, second, third time. And I don't know if they 
did something to change this. But I remember like swinging open the doors into the into the convention center and just getting that smell, right? <laughs> like you're like you just uh, like you just walked onto a farm, right? <laughs> that must have been it's, old it's convention not, center area. <laughs> yeah, sure. It it could be like maybe they've improved the the ventilation yeah. systems and right. and stuff like that. But you're like, yeah, there's a really faint like kind of uh body odor unwashed kind of <laughs> kind of smell to this and that's mean for me to say but you know what i'm saying like yeah. th- there were people there are people who do gen con convention stuff all night that don't yeah. sleep right and so if they're if they're not taking time to sleep they're probably not taking time to wash yeah and oh yeah uh, you'll, you'll get just... the, behind the, the random griller guy that haven't washed all the, con, all the whole con and you can tell right, right. Um, for right. sure well, the the and um, so so as much as you know, I don't love the like all that forcing thing. I also am not gonna I'm not gonna get into uh, uh, people's rights. Like mm-hmm. if if some you know if, if a if a business owner wants to set a rule in their place, that's their space. That's their right. And my right. right as a customer does not supersede their right. Yeah, as an owner, right. as an organizer, as exactly as any of that, I, but, and I agree, and, and I and I like that, and I like that um, we can all have. Again, we're not getting political in any of this. We really aren't, Dennis and I. It's me saying this to the listener. We're, we're, try, and, we're trying. Well, it, yeah, and, and don't mean it in that way. I think the important part, as we're talking here with Gen Con with this, is that you know, um, you know, some things aren't always for everybody, or or you know. Um, it just goes against. I have a lot of things that I don't go to because I don't feel like it's the right thing for me, or or I don't believe in what this business does, and and that's uh, my choice to not do that thing. And I, and I like I respect that that I can do that, and then um, you know they don't force me to to go to their places, and Gen Con doesn't force anybody to go to things. And I appreciate the, you know their opinions and their kind of stuff, even if this in this case it happens to line with me. But I do complain. So I still complain about the mask and that that it was. Mm-hmm. It was, it is, it changes and alters. That's kind of where I'm going with this. It changes and alters the experience. So even though I had a great time this year, which we should be talking about here, um, I still, it was still, it was still definitely hampered by that. I had to wear this mask the whole time. And when you breathe out, it's just hot air. I'm God knows, everybody knows I'm full of hot air. Um, <laughs> and it, you know, it's, I, I was wearing a mask and it just kept, you know, making my, my mouth sweat and my face sweat and even though it's the right thing to do, and I know why, and I'm around all these people, you know, the the con has contrast contrary to what you had just said about the con cred smell. Um, the convention center has this new smell. It's like the the vent the AC is kind of blasting down, and it's this huge ventilation that happens now, and and it's all these the the the, the vendors coming in with all their brand new games, and it's and almost. I equate it to opening up a new game. You have that like new, fresh cardboard smell, and a lot of times when I walk into the convention center, there I always have that feeling, you know, new things, and always have it. But I can't smell anything now except my 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 own breath. Which sure, mm-hmm. I brushed my teeth that morning, but still, I don't want to be right. smelling my own breath. It's just a whole different experience walking around with that mask on the whole time, and then. After an hour or so, it makes me just like I want to get out of this. I want to take me outside mm-hmm. so I can take this off. And breathe normally, you know. Right. So, so that's a thing. It, it affected my con, but not in a huge other way. I'd say it's ten percent difference, uh, but it was noticeable enough. And um, 
thumbs up for them for setting their rules and for setting the stuff. And I'm, and I'm all for it. I supported it in the fact that I support their decision to make that decision. Um, and yeah. I, I wore my yeah. mask, um, but also could, don't have to like, like wearing it per se, you know? Right. Right. And we, and we talked sort of, talked circles around this yeah, topic but that right. that was sort of the point that i wanted to make was yeah. like if even if like things are opening up and and you know there's there's no none of those kind of mandates and whatever anymore like i think that a convention environment is if not high risk like is just a mm-hmm. context where a little extra precaution is warranted yeah, or 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 justified at the very least. And and the best part uh, about that is that it's not. I like you said the word mandate. Like it's not mandated from a like I don't know, say government level, but like a you know law. Like this was an option that I could or couldn't do. It's not like I had to go to the grocery yeah. store. Like I have to go to the grocery yeah, store. It's, you know, it's it's no different from you know me asking you to take your shoes off if you come into my house. Yes, nice. Like, yes, it's my house. I. I, you know, it's my, uh, it's my decision. And, and, and if I hate my feet, then I just won't go over to Dennis's house. You, or, you, know? you don't, you don't have to come to my house. It's, it, it's exactly. pretty simple. So, so anyway, moving on from that one, anyway, it, it, it does, a, yeah. it did affect, it was worth noting this little task 10 minutes we talked about worth noting because it does affect my experience with the con. This isn't the first year that they had this last year. We had to have masks too. Um, right. And, you know, I think that the hardest part, not just walking around the hall with it was sitting down to play games. Um, mm-hmm. I maybe it's me getting older or something. I can't hear in lots of crowds and people talking across the tables with sure. muffled mask voices. Um, yeah. I'm sitting relaxed, which I feel a fair distance from people, and I still can't take it off to to ask mm-hmm. questions or talk or emote, you know, to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was definitely a deterrent to that whole situation wasn't as fun and that did kind of bring that experience part of it down but conversely let's talk about the good things um (laughs) the con was it felt bigger i'll tell you that much not from necessarily people standpoint because that felt just fine um the yeah the people felt i don't know what their numbers were i'm sure it was nice and respectable um or what they did to better traffic coordinate but I never felt mm-hmm. like I was in a stupid shoulder to shoulder crowd at any point. Um, okay, that's good. Yeah, it felt pretty good. Uh, every they were sold out early this year from the vendor hall, so the the exhibit hall where they have all the vendors come in was sold out full capacity, which was nice. I think that was the first time they've done that since the pandemic. Right. And um, so everybody's basically come back. Is the is the long and short of that? The, and, the vendors, you mean? Yeah, the vendors. Uh, so. They had a lot of stuff that they didn't have in the past. A lot of things that in three years vendors have ready to sell and to show us that they had kind of not before. We haven't seen yeah, things I, in three years. I forget who because because 2020 was canceled. Mm-hmm. And last year they had reduced capacity. Reduced. And there yeah. were a there were a couple of big notable vendors yes. who weren't there. Right. And um, and even little vendors I, weren't there. I don't remember. Was it like Mayfair or I'm not sure. I don't, I don't, I don't think it was Mayfair. I'm not going to remember the brand now. The, the Well, I know yeah, um, like Asmodee didn't make it last year. They didn't come. Right. And Fantasy Flight yeah. and all that. They, did, they didn't yeah, come. And, and, and that's huge. That's huge. Right. And, the, Absolutely. and then there were also a couple of big um, 
not in the cup. That's what I just said. Uh, there were also reduced badge numbers. Yes. And right. then they did a weird thing where they reduced the the amount of floor that they used in the exhibit yeah, they, hall, which is yeah. like mm-hmm. we could have spread us out more. But it was definitely much more spread out than 2019. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. So, so this year, this year they had the same space. It's all opened crowds, up. It was but... all opened up again, right? right. And, and so it was the the full thing, which was nice. But it, it, you could just tell that, like, so con- going to a con as a vendor is not cheap, right? It's got a lot of risk versus reward. With you know whether you're marketing it, whether you're actually selling stuff. There's a lot of vendors who go there as a store, right? Mm-hmm. And they have to ship their stuff there, yeah. and then ship it back, and that's expensive whatever they don't sell. Yeah. yeah. And then the space and time and people and all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a risk. Um, you got to staff that space. You got to right? staff that space. It's a whole thing. Um, so they haven't had to do that for two to three years. And now right. you can almost tell that like they're the booth, like miniature market had a whole thing and they have, uh, there was the Everdale game in upper deck had a big stuff and they did the big things they used to do like a, a full sized mm. tree that was like a cartoon tree um, in there. And it was like the booths just had all the cool statues that they used to not have because it's expensive and they couldn't do it. But now that they haven't done it in three years, maybe they hadn't had the time to make those statues and they used them for other things mm. or, you know what I mean? They just felt like mm-hmm. the, it kind of felt like the old con that used to be, you know, 10, 15, 20 years when wizards would come. Okay. Um, so that was yeah. really fun. Another thing too, was that the auction hall was stupid. Um, they have a, for those that don't know, Gen Con, they have uh, an auction where you can go and sell your games and have them auctioned off board games, miniatures, role playing, right. all sorts of stuff. And then they also have next to it is a, a store where people can just put their games for a price in a room and everyone comes and buys those games, those used games. Um, yeah, because people haven't come in three years, they're all coming this year and the, the store was just so crowded with games. It was like piles on top of piles of games um, to go through on. I, I went on Thursday that first day um, mm-hmm. and they had huge trucks lining of carts, you know, light lining the sides of the wall, waiting for space to free up because they had so much <laughs> on top of things so that they can put more in. Um, right. Which was great as a, as a buyer. And that caused me to buy games that I necessarily wouldn't have because they were just such good deals. Mm-hmm. Um, and people wanting to get rid of them. Uh, so that that was cool, for sure. Um, so we, we we did the Airbnb again this year, right? Like with our friends. Right, yeah. Uh, that was pretty fun. I didn't get to be there enough uh, to play, but we had good friend time hanging out stuff. Uh, did you, you did not bring your camper. You left it down south, right? You just drove the truck? Yeah, yeah, because I wasn't sure. I mean... In retrospect, I probably could have parked it in that parking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, right but it. as usual, I wasn't even considering that it was much too hot to sleep in the camper without... So hot. Um, so humid. Electricity to run the air conditioner. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and I would not have tried... I would not have wanted to try and... Uh, well, first of all, not really wanted to drive down into downtown Indianapolis with my trailer. Oh, yeah. And secondly, to sleep in a camper even though we were in an okay neighborhood but like in an urban environment with like a like to run a big cord to the airbnb or something like that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was it was never really a consideration yeah Um, especially 
when I knew there was going to be room in the house to like set up air mattresses. And I didn't even, uh, there was, Andrew slept on an air mattress, but there was a, a unclaimed bed. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, the, the, the uh, Sid and I stayed there two nights, I think is where we were at. And, mm-hmm. uh, we've done a couple of Airbnbs um, in the past. I think the space was fine, but the place wasn't great overall, I think. Um, like the quality of the Airbnb, I guess, the, from, compared to what we've had in the past. It was definitely, our our place last year was really nice mm-hmm. and really close. Oh, it yeah, was it was like swanky high-end, right? Yeah, It was very expensive, but it was like two blocks from the convention center. Correct. Um, this was um, um, Fountain Square, which is a, you know, in the process of becoming gentrified yeah. neighborhood just, just off of downtown Indianapolis, like a like a five, ten minute Uber or mm-hmm. Lyft taxi yep. ride from downtown and maybe 15 depends on traffic. Um, and the house was, it had all the telltale signs of a flip house. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. There you go. That's, you know, the like that, yeah. old house with wood floor. So like that's sanded down, but like everything has a coat of trim or a, all the trim has a coat of paint. Um, the, you know, a lot of weird, like, one cabinet or one drawer opens right in front of another drawer. So the they took the handle off of it, off the other drawer, and put it at the very end. So, like, that drawer can open further. Yeah. Um, there was a bathroom that had clearly just been tacked onto this weird closet space. <laughs> so it, it had, like, a toilet sort of half under the staircase and then you had to step down to where the the sink and the laundry machines and a little shower was, and that floor was all kind of slanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like just somebody bought a really old house, put a coat of paint on everything, like I would have guessed about five years ago, and then it's been either a rental or an Airbnb since. Uh, at like best, the, right? Yeah. The 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 best thing it had going for it uh, is the location. Yeah. Right. It's in a nice nice neighborhood um and and it had a lot of bedrooms and three yeah. bathrooms right um and granted we're, we're a bunch of guys you know we don't need a whole lot yeah, it was but it was good enough for us but yeah um, yeah, for, yeah for our review from other places we've had it wasn't like a it didn't make the experience. Some places we've been have been like, this place is perfect. We have two rooms or two houses or two things. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, you know, the the feng shui, the flow, the energy of the places, you know, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. It, you know, it's there's a difference between coming to this place. It's like, oh, this is cool. Here's the TV hangout area. Here's the, you know, this one. I think one of the problems we have with this one is that it just it, the only lights it had were these overpowering overhead lights for, for the entire time. So that was mm-hmm. rough. Um so, um, but it's still nice to hang out, you know, with the guys and, and, uh, Sid was there this year, which was nice. The first time she's gone all the days and stayed with the guys, um, because we had right. our own room, um, which was, which was kind of nice. Uh, and, um, yeah, so con was good overall. Let's see games that we played. Um, I wish uh, maybe next week I'll, we'll talk more about this, but, um, I bought, uh, four, I think games from the auction off four or five. Um, and they were all like 40 to $60 games at least. And I bought them for $10. Uh, played nice. one of them, which was really nice. Bought some expansions for the Transformers uh, deck building game, which I enjoy. 
uh, bought it, the Firefly. You know, we talked about this, the game store thing. Sometimes it Firefly. feels like, yeah, I would get there. It feels I'm like, sorry, um, go on. Yeah, it feels like um, game stores will dump all of their inventory on this game store, auction house store. Sure. Yeah. And and so I went in there and there was like four stacks, about twenty high of like this small Firefly card game. Um, oh, okay. like out to the black or something like that. Um, and it was three bucks. Um, I think it's really like twenty twenty five dollars. And I was like, this can be terrible, and I'll donate it to the Boys and Girls Club, but I'll buy it for three dollars. You know. Mm-hmm. So I, bought, I I got a couple of those things that were that were okay. Um. But not a whole lot of like, I'd say con exclusives. Um, I know our buddy Trotsky had bought a couple. Um, he had me buy a couple for him that I was out there grabbing. Um, like because they'll do Gen Con, they'll do early release stuff, um, right? Which I didn't really research. Trotsky loves doing that stuff. You know, it's coming out. It's only here then, and he's such a mm-hmm. neophile. Um, so yeah, there, there wasn't a whole lot of that stuff. I'm going to see if there was anything other highlights that I mentioned. They had a big, actually full size, Bigfoot, Bigfoot truck in one of the halls. Um, okay. Well, there's a game, I guess, called Bigfoot themed on it. So it was just sure. weird seeing this massive truck in the middle of hall B. Yeah. Yeah. Um, c- cosplay was cool. Lots of really good cosplay. I saw some X-Men that were super phenomenal. Um, <laughs> they have this thing on Saturday called the, the cos, uh, cosplay parade or costume mm-hmm. parade where they everybody in a costume lines up in a long 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 line and they just parade through the entire con right and uh there Sid and I were at the front of it and they had these bards it's called like it was called bard camp and there's like these four guys dressed as bard and they had a trumpet and uh tambourines and a drum and stuff like that and they were leading this procession right um okay. well the event coordinator is sitting here with the flag waiting for the exact time, like three o'clock for them to go. And then he says, okay, it's time to go. And the bards in the very front of the line who made a point of standing there in the front of the line for this played their little like announcement trumpets, right. To make it go. And everybody's like, yay. And then the mm-hmm. bards take off, start walking in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And the event coordinator is standing there like, Oh, you guys are supposed to go through the hallway this way, but the bards are walking down the other way. So the line starts following this, the whole like mile long line starts walking the wrong direction <laughs> through the through the hall, and then I sit, we sit and I watch him, and the, the event guy r- decided that he wasn't just going to stand there, and he ran down and grabbed him. So they did this big S in the middle of the hallway where the entire line had to go a mile line had to go through in a big S because these bards made a mistake of going going the wrong way. I'm like that's what you get when you get gamers together dressing up doing silly stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was super fun. Uh, Super, super fun. Uh, Sid bought a corset for her steampunk thing. Um, she worked all summer to get money for Gen Con purchases and bought a lot of stuff. And artwork, man, I talk a whole thing about artwork. Oh, last thing I'll say about Gen Con is it? it's easy, quick. I read Dragonlance when I was a teenager. It's one of the first real books that I read for fantasy. Okay. Um, right. Written by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. Um. Anyone who knows anything about D&D knows what Dragonlance is. It's a world. And they created it. And they wrote these all these series of books. It was their like claim to fame forever. They have to have written 50 books in this thing. Um, mm-hmm. But for the last 10 to 15, maybe 20 years, they have not written Dragonlance. They just okay. moved on. 
did their own things, right? I think mm-hmm. uh, Margaret Weiss created her own company. They made role-playing games and did the whole thing. Well, um, last, they decided to get back together and write Dragonlance Chronicles again. And they're in their 70s, at least. Um, and they launch a new book, uh, a brand new book in the whole Dragonlance world, starting with a whole series. It's three-book thing. And it's um, releases Tuesday, but they had it there at the con Um, and Margaret was there. So I got to talk to her for a while, which was really neat. She's super nice, super kind um, Mm -hmm. and bought the book and she signed it to me, uh, which was just a nice little like, hey, you know, I read your stuff and it really inspired me to love fantasy things um, in ways that I didn't know and really made me feel that D&D was this, you know cool world with stuff. And now when I watch D and D movies, I want them to be like the dragon bands books that I read. Um, Mm -hmm. and I have an opportunity to read a new one. So I started reading it today and just the first three chapters are really, really good. I mean, sometimes writers will lose their touch, but they, they do, they're good partners and I'm excited to keep reading this book. So that was fun. You know, things you can't, if I were to, uh, Sydney was like, if you sit in an auction hall and get a signed copy of something, it's not the same thing as if you go up there and talk to them and they sign of it course. to you. Yeah, that's um that's a thing. I don't know. I get it. Like um I don't need signed birth- copies of things, but right. That, for my birthday, know. um Fox got me uh, a signed photo of Nick Offerman. Yeah. Uh, Ron Swanson mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Parks and Rec. Um which was very like, you know, thoughtful. It was a kind of mm-hmm. thing I wouldn't have thought of. A couple of years ago at Gen Con, um, Patrick Rothfuss was there, one of my favorite authors. Yeah, right. And I waited in line. I bought a physical copy of one of his books, which I don't normally do, but I'm mm-hmm. like, I I want to meet this guy. He's, he's great. I love his work. And, you know, so I stood in line. I met, you know, another fan who'd, who'd read his books and... um chatted for a while and then got pictures from it and it was the highlight of the con that year yeah um it's yeah buying like making them commodities is a weird sort of thing it's like it's like when people buy taxidermy like i i'm not into taxidermy and and but i can see and i'm also not into hunting but i can see if you are and you you know make an impressive kill or whatever uh, apologies to anybody triggered by that whole concept which i know i know there definitely are and i respect that i don't have strong feelings about it one way or the other Mm -hmm. except for you know maybe issues of population control and (laughs) sure uh, that that goes into a whole new set of politics (laughs) um but when people buy stuff used i get if you're like if you're running a bar right some kind of retail space or where you want to have cool stuff on the wall but like if you're just going to put it in your house like what is that? I what is that understand. for? I like, don't understand that a bit. You didn't kill that duck. Why is it up on your wall? Yeah, or, or, like, or the, you didn't the, meet that baseball player. You know, right? Or Why do you have a son? Like it? To me, there has to be some story behind it. So, like, maybe if somebody gave it to you, like you didn't meet Babe Ruth, but your grandpa gave you the baseball or whatever. Like, oh yeah, sure. Okay, that's that's still like a cool story. Sure, but if uh, you yeah. just if you just bought it. Uh, on eBay or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. what? what is that? That's weird. That's Some people weird. are collectors, I guess, but even then I don't, I, I don't get it. I just really don't. Sure. It's funny that I, that I, yeah. that I actually liked this signing thing when I, I say that statement and I fully 
back it up that I don't get it. But mm. just like you said, and I have supported it, it's the, it's the story. Like that yeah, matters. Cool story. That part matters. Or from now on, I'm going to open up that book and see that signature, and it's going to invoke a memory of when I got to speak with her. You know, okay. and and that's that's what that that signature will do for me, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I will treasure that book with that signature for that reason, as it invokes memories within me. But otherwise, I wouldn't expect anyone to care. You know, yeah. it, it's more pieces of paper from somewhere else. Um, <laughs> uh, but but it, it it was it was really I tell you it's, it's I, I'm not a go see or talk to celebrities person. I I don't understand sure. that. Not to mention anything you're going to say, they've heard a hundred thousand times already. Um, but here I was standing in front of her talking to her. She's giving me her time, <laughs> you know, for free. Um, and I right. do the thing that everybody else is like, even really inspired me. It's going to take you so mm-hmm, much. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was nothing else I could have said that wasn't, that that wasn't true, you know? Right. But, so, um, and I always have that thing, like if someone does something great or wonderful, you should tell them, you know, get, or, or they important to you whatever you should tell them i think i think especially and i don't know i don't know where the line is for this but like especially what i think most people would think of as lesser celebrities Mm -hmm. right like authors yeah yeah um you know uh brandon sanderson had the most record-breaking kickstarter of all time right like that's how popular he is as an author but i could talk to Almost any member of my family, uh, maybe even my sister, who makes costumes for Ren Fairs and has an English degree, she's probably heard of Brandon Sanderson. Yeah. And But the rest of my family are like, no, I don't know. Who is that? Compared to, like, Tom Hanks or, I mean, Tom Hanks seems like mostly a really nice person. But, like, there are big like big celebrities and then there are all of these like smaller or more niche celebrities right and i think they they probably are i mean depending i don't want to speak for everybody or anybody really Mm -hmm. um are probably more appreciative of that kind of stuff um because of the you know just the relative nature of it and maybe it's just a different kind of you know not saying that actors aren't creatives but you know it's a different kind of creative from an author or you know somebody who invents a game system or something like that yeah Um, an actor has other people involved in their in their creativity yeah yeah so that was was, i know that's not a whole lot for gen con but you know we don't need to hash over some of the normal things that are always amazing there and the cool little trinkets and things you see it's it's hard to, you know, go, you can go some of the, I would always suggest, which there was a lot this year, people walking on the TikToks or their TikTok lives or Facebook mm. lives and reels as they're walking through, which did cause a bit of a, not a lot, but you see walk, people walking with the steady cam sticks in front of them. Mm. It's a little annoying. Um, sure. N- not that I, I care about being filmed or anything, but it's like, you know, pay attention to what you're doing, people. <laughs> Right, um, right. So, so you, but I, I, that being said, I watched a lot of those when I was looking at San Diego Comic Con. You know, being sure. able to kind of see what's there, what it's like, and that experience. I would, I would suggest people going to see Gen Con TikToks or whatever, sure. uh, or Reels, whatever you might watch, um, Instagram, and uh, 
you know, just see what it's all about. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's a cool, it's a cool space. Yeah. Hey, so let's change, let's change gears a bit. Now that that's all done, let's uh, talk about our movie with some global thermal nuclear war. What do you think? <laughs> let's do it. All right. Um, this week we watched War Games from 1983. Matthew Broderick, Ali Sheedy, John Wood, a bunch of people who I recognized sort of. It was like, who's this guy? I've seen him in something. Um, like Barry Corbin, the guy that was a general. He's like, I, in a, he, back then he was in a lot of weird things. Like he was always the jerk. Um, yeah. His IMDb picture is a, um, is a, is a Western thing. Oh, uh, the, yeah. the only one, the only one I recognized on site um, was the guy whose name I'm not going to remember, who was um, uh, Leo in uh, in West Wing, because I watched West Wing oh, uh, last yeah. year, year before last. Um, he's one of the guys. Him and the guy who I also only remember as the foster dad in in Free Willy. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Another okay, weird sure. kind of pull. They're the two guys at the beginning when they they do the test and they're supposed to turn the keys and do the thing. Oh, and right. Yeah. Okay. The older guy won't do it. That's who those two actors are. Oh. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, oh, hey, it's Leo. Um, right. And it's uh, this movie was on Amazon Prime. So I guess I, I just didn't notice that. I went to right now. Hover over the yeah. Hover over the the thing and you get Amazon x-ray thing which is a great feature that's funny that's funny i i really um, need to go back i i mean i watch just watch that <laughs> didn't even right see that. right it's uh, it, i mean it's just that first like five ten minutes right it's all that that prologue and setup of like here's the thing and here's why they uh here's why they make this changeover and i kept thinking of um uh dr strangelove right? yeah which we watched, oh yeah sure uh, mm-hmm. from the poster it's one of the kubrick movies on the poster so it's, it's um, another one of those movies about being on the brink of nuclear war. Right, exactly, exactly. I was like, boy, we should have watched these movies closer together. And I probably mentioned War Games when we talked about sure, Dr. Strangelove. Sure, but sure. Um, it's this thing of like, what does it mean? What is the, you know, mutually assured destruction? I, I mean, that movie is much more bleak than this one, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is a this is a feel-good kind of... Uh, we we can stop it and yeah a little a little spielberg a little um um who am i thinking of uh uh oh i'm blanking now but yeah just a this this a little bit of 80s feel good like don't don't trust the machines but also uh uh computer ai becomes alive sort of thing i guess that's maybe sort of spoilers for the <laughs> for the plot let me i mean i don't know i've probably already said too much but i'm gonna hit the bell here because we're going to talk about uh the 1983 movie war games so if you're still listening and you don't want to get spoiled on the story of war games uh skip ahead to our final thoughts 83 that's weird that's i was only eight years old it is it, i i clearly watched this later uh, for the first yeah, time. I, I, same. I, I mean, I was, I was only two, so I didn't, you know, to yeah. me it was, here's another movie 
with Ferris Bueller from before he was Ferris Bueller. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's and there's a decent amount of um, not, I I don't know whatever. There there are some connections and parallels between that movie and this one. Like this one came first, but he's you know he's got a computer and he's cheating on his grades and <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's a different character, but there's some of that same, he, he like, did that same thing in Paris. Tech. Same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this, I like met Matthew Broderick was made to cheat on his, on his, grades. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was even then like, so that's, that's, that should say enough right there is that we were just little kids when it came out and that we watched right. it years later in our teen years meant that it had one some staying power too that it wasn't terrible um right so which which means that and even today people still talk about it and remember things and things like global thermonuclear war you know what that is um mm-hmm. uh so did it hold I mean up? they make a joke uh which I don't remember which MCU movie this is they go it's I think it's one of the early movies you see Natasha Romanoff Black Widow mm-hmm. where they go to an old um, they go to an old thing, and the the glasses guy from from Hydra is living in the computer. Which movie is that? Oh, um, that is Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier, yeah. And so it's like this old control room, and there's an old '80s computer, and she does the. Do you want to play a game? Oh yeah, right, right. yeah, right. And it's there's there's a little joke on that that you know it's a, it's a th- I've almost seen it enough that it's become a trope of uh you know in in soviet countries all their entertainment is considerably behind right they're getting stuff that's like a decade or two old because of the wall and and whatever uh kind of blocking their media so like they know about older references yeah um kind of stuff but yeah. uh yeah well well th- th- this does this hold up? All right, we're in the spoilers here. I think it did, I, with the caveat that it's very dated. Like, it's set in its spot. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you, you really got to know and and put your framework like, okay, guys, here's the preface. The 80s, there was a Cold War, and this is important. Like, there's a lot of things that were made in, in that time that that's a thing that people born after the Cold War will never, hopefully, ever remember or under experience that period of time. And everything that was made at that time had some kind of influence in it. Others were like the whole central part of it, which this game was. Or this Yeah, like in, like in the James Bond films of mm-hmm. the era, before the Berlin Wall came down and, yeah. and the Soviet Union fell. Like, you could have this sort of universal... I mean, I think early Bond films had Spectre, right? And then they went back to Spectre. That was an invention of, of um, Ian Fleming. Yeah. Like, just a sort of super secret crime syndicate or yep. whatever behind the scenes. And then during the Cold War, and, you know, the movies were made during the Cold War, so they could they could tap into it a little bit. But then anything that wasn't James Bond, you're just like, oh, there's this and the Soviets. Right? And the Soviets, the, right. The Soviets are going are gonna to this and this. And we talked about this when we talked about... Um, um, Top Gun Maverick, right? Mm, they have an right. anonymous enemy, right? Just right. the enemy. They never right. say who. Um, you can kind of maybe guess at it, but it it's not important. They call and so they don't rogue nation, them. a rogue nation, right? A, right, a yeah. rogue nation, or yeah. or you know, it's better than like 
maybe it's better than mm-hmm. than like making up a country like sure uh, yeah you know Belgravia but but but, but during whatever, the time christmas movies there was no doubt like who your enemy was in in america yeah, you, and if you're in russia who your enemy was you know right right you could just always say the soviets or the russians or whatever and you know it was shorthand for for writers yeah and, and and that's so this movie is that's the you know definitely set in that time set in the idea that of mutually assured destruction not that we've actually it's so funny how we have somehow decided that we're out of that you know and right. just because the fall of the ussr does not mean that there isn't no i know well and we are like, still in mutually assured destruction world people have forgotten like there's there are still places where peace is maintained by the threat of us just obliterating them yeah and um, or in russia can, has enough to to do it to us and us do it to them to kill the planet it's still a thing but for right. some reason we just forget so this movie you know kind of brings it back in and you can watch this now and see that like it's just basically a reminder of the seriousness of nuclear weapons um mm-hmm. and this dealt with also being a product of his time dealt with the un the scariness and the transition into computers being involved in yeah. in act like technology, being involved in actively involved in the world, not just mm-hmm. as a little novelty that you see on your you know sports football game with your kid. Um, right. It was you know in the workplace, and in '83, businesses did not have computers, except a few of them were putting these dumb terminal computers in the sales room, right? right. And they had to learn it. So you start getting this whole fear of what is this thing doing things and i don't know how it does it but it knows mm-hmm. how to how much sales is you know i made last semester or whatever it might be last quarter um so it's all this scary type thing and this taps into that as well is that you know we're putting that in charge of um our nuclear arsenal which we don't of course but right um so I, I I think with that you, you can understand like what's that when this was made and why this was made. I still think it's a great movie um, overall. Um, yeah, it feels very like you said Spielbergian. Who made this? I don't know who was the director on this, but <laughs> um, definitely felt Spielbergian uh, with the ending and such. On I I never understood. Um, I always thought the uh, doctor Doctor Falcon was a weird thing. Uh, this guy that. He's the only programmer and he has like this bond with the computer and it's his kids thing. It's always so weird for me. Um, mm. It still is. And they go talk to him and he's still distraught. I'm like the guy, dude, your, your thing is going to cause a nuclear war. <laughs> yeah. You know? That was a weird, like the third act was a weird. Uh, that's probably not even the third act. That's like the culmination of the second act of the second. Um, the end. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, you know, you've got John Wood and he's this guy, you know, he's living out in the woods, but he's he's close enough that when mutually assured destruction happens, like, he's going to get wiped out. He's not going to have to suffer like the people in the Midwest or whatever. And it's a... I'm sure there's a term for this. You know, you go on TV tropes and there's there's some word for this, but, like, the the guy, the, like, the creator or whatever who's, like, disappeared presumed dead it's this exact character but i know that i've seen this in probably a dozen movies right um you know where they go find the guy and like 
he comes back and his old partner has taken over the <laughs> business and, and shoved yeah. him out or whatever. Yeah. But now everything's gone wrong and they need him to come back, except with this weird angle about his son thing. Yeah, it was like, it just felt, it felt heavier than what this movie was, <laughs> was supposed to be about. Yeah, it was a weird, it was a weird turn. Did it to play chess with his kid. And, and obviously now, knowing what we know about stuff, there's, it's hard to, you know, you could cock your head at this. I'm like, okay, so you made a, an AI system that controls nuclear weapons, but also had your games on, on there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and had, had this advanced AI also be playing chess with you at the same time that it's programmed for nuclear war games. <laughs> it's just so, right, right. It's, it's a little weird. Um, it's like a, it's like a sweet spot in between when, like somewhere around this time, maybe even a little before this, we were starting to get personal computers. Yeah, right? yeah, that's what I said. At work the, and at home, you're starting to see you know these the things. the Macintosh, the Apple II, and and all of that stuff. And so, computer was a thing that people were starting to recognize as this is a device. Like it still might be this kind of you know it's a server farm thing. Like not server farm. That's not even the right word. It's a is a mainframe like the first IBM they put in at uh, at NASA? Yeah, yeah, right to just do a bunch of calculations on tape yeah. mm-hmm. and stuff. But but getting to like this is a box like it's a big heavy box with a TV on it and a keyboard and he's got that. I loved the first time I saw this with the modem that is like the, the modem's great that's on top of it. It's iconic to this show. This yeah. and 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 all of that stuff. Um, and so it's in this sweet spot where a lot of people understand what a computer is, but people don't really understand what AI is. People still don't understand what AI is. <laughs> yeah, right, but yeah. Like, like here's an idea. I mean, shoot, we watched um, we watched 2001. Was that like 70, 68, even even further back? Right. right. So like. Like you could understand what artificial intelligence means, but the like what kind of computers did they have in nineteen sixty eight like that's a much more it's like the computer on Star Trek right it's like yeah. a a library of data that that Captain Kirk talks to when he wants information, but there's no like they're not really using computers on the bridge, yeah, I mean m- maybe they are, but it's really more like we need to find some information. So I'll read it into the tricorder and play it back. But like, there's just so little comprehension. But by 1983, people are like, okay, I know what a computer is. Oh, and the computer is designed to learn. And if it learns, it's going to become self-aware and then it's going to do what it wants. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's magic. It's, it's still in 83, it's magic. I mean, it really is. For, for, the, for the large majority of the world... Computers are still magic. They they yeah. they know that they input numbers and it just comes back with the right number, right? Mm-hmm. Like with calculations and stuff. But they don't know how it works or why it works. But right. the the only way they can rationalize it is that the thing that's doing that has intelligence, right? Like that because right. if they ask somebody to do it for them, they would have to have intelligence to figure out how to do the math problem, or when you you learn at this point in 83, you go to your uh, school library or your uh, public library 
and they had chess on it, you know, mm-hmm. you would move, you know, your pawn forward and it moved its thing. Like, so there's intelligence there and it's magic. It's magic intelligence. And we don't know how this box right. does it. Um, and then, you know, you have these weird people that know all about this stuff. And this is what Matthew Broderick's character was, David Lightman. Uh, you know, he knows what, how to get into the, the, uh, you know, talk to the computers. You know, he has a relationship with this Whopper thing. He has, um, uh, he knows how, what a modem is and how to connect things. And, and Ali Sheedy's character is, uh, you know, just stunned that this is basically a wizard. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Which, you know, it's just the way it was. It's hard to explain with that stuff. Now you look back and like, oh, that's really silly. But I, I still appreciate it. It's almost like a historical piece, you know, this, yeah. this movie. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to think of this. And I, I almost wanted to get into the, the love story of this movie and how, you know, Ali Sheedy's character is, is so impressed by uh, Matthew Broderick's tech wizardry. Yeah. In a in a strange way, and she's a she's a strange kind of character too, because she's sort of a well. I heard her on I think I want to say Flophouse or maybe Omnos Project referred to as a manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, it's not quite what like if I ask somebody, I mean, she's not Harley heard, Quinn, but yeah, yeah, I'm like, if you ask me. If I ask you to give me an example of this expression and you know what it and you have some idea what it means, yeah, it's maybe going to be Harley Quinn or it's maybe um Ramona Flowers from mm-hmm. uh Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Right, just a real like kind of out there where really uh uh what's her name Jennifer is is more just like a normal girl, she's a pretty standard like you know, in the modern day, she would be some kind of influencer sure. <laughs> on social media <laughs> uh, where where Matthew Broderick's character is like a cool geek. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you meet you and, meet the you meet the quote unquote real geeks later with Malvin and them. Right. 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 The ones who are which I love. I love know, that scene. There's one of those one of those guys in that room, but probably all of them, you know, we look back on now and like, yeah, they're clearly on the spectrum as we say. <laughs> yeah, right. um, I, 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 I love, I love that scene from a, like that's actually would have been David. Like anyone right. that knew what David right. knew would be someone like Malvin and, and Jim and them. Yeah. That were Yeah. They would be so, um, like what's the word? obsessed or obtuse or obsessed or or socially inept um i mean i say that as someone who is also part of that group you know right, um, right. but but you, you you know when it's funny and almost like a cliche type thing when malvin gets there and he talks about the back door and he's doing his his bit right but honestly yeah. that that's what it was and i know that we've come a long way from that but that is really what it was you get excited about um, I was explaining to somebody at work, like that, what, you know, and you, I could just called it magic before they're understanding magic. And they did a lot of work to understand the magic of what computers and technology are. And they just find their like ilk and talk about it like crazy in their little stuff. And they just go on and on and on about it. 
and David comes in, David Jenner comes in and sees guys. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's actually the guys that did do know this stuff. Right. Which right. I found found amazing right. and, and funny. And well, and. And it's exaggerating. Well, it's not it's, really. It's yeah, it's exaggerating a little bit to call him a geek because he is like a hobbyist. Right, it, yeah. it'd be like it'd be like if one of Hobbyist us is a good word. That's a good stumbled word. onto something like this, and we're like, "Oh, I'm gonna try this." Like he's doing this hacking stuff, but it's really rudimentary, right? Very rudimentary, it, right? Yeah. Like he he stumbles onto it, onto the Whopper stuff completely by accident. So, right. um, <laughs> yeah, and then and then the love story is sort of it sort of just happens in the background, right? Yeah. Like I think she seems fairly interested in him from the start. And then, uh, you know, the story, the story goes on from there. So I think in, in final thoughts, this holds up, I think, as an unintentional period piece. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, think I mean, so too. Yeah. it was made in a time and set in that exact same time. And there's a lot about it that would not make sense if you don't understand um, you know, detente and the and the conflict between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, particularly in the early '80s, as it yep. was, you know, it was not very far from being "quote unquote" over. Yeah, and um, and th- you know, there's a decent amount of exposition to to explain that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, all the things with like the way people think about computers and. David's relationship with his parents and all that that is that is really just set in its time but still I think in a lot of ways gives you a sort of snapshot of that time um in a I don't know about accurate fully accurate but in a at least entertaining way if you can if you can go along for the ride with all of the the sci-fi of it right my 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 thoughts on that is I love that you use the word period piece. I I I think that's so great. I I love that that uh, characterization of this show because it does fit right. Like it's a period piece, and, and, and to quote your words, that didn't intentionally plan to be a period piece, right? It's just right. a, a sort of thing. But but if you look at it from that lens of pretend this is a movie made now, uh, set in this time, you wouldn't know any different because it is accurately being portrayed. Not again, not accurate, but like being said in this time uh, right. and people reacting to the things. And it's very important. The time it's set in everything about it is important about that time that it's set in uh, all, all, all components of it is. Um, so if you look at it from that way, it's a nice little window into what people and the world thought at that time and how they were doing some things. And from this very narrow perspective, I guess, um, yeah. but I, I liked it. I still like it. It's fun. And I even like it better now thinking of it as a period piece. Um, and, and when we say, who can we recommend it to? I could recommend it to anyone, especially now that I can use that term. Hey, it's a nice period <laughs> piece for 1983 when it deals with the Cold War and nuclear, the nuclear threat with computers. Um, and I would recommend it to anyone. There's not anyone that I wouldn't say, you, you should, yeah, you should definitely watch this show. Uh, what do we got next? Let's see. It's my That's week, right? pick. Yeah. Uh... We're going to go easy, I think. This one I've not seen since 90s, late 90s, um, I think, uh, called Harlem Nights. Um, It's a gangster movie with African-American comedians, which is weird. Okay. It's it's got, it's got, 
got everybody in it. Let me tell you, from from the eighties and nineties. I see, I see a very young Eddie Murphy and uh, Richard Pryor on the cover. Yeah, yeah. Um, which which they they are the the primary ones, but it's got big names. It's got Red Fox in it, Della Reese, Arsenio Hall, Jasmine Guy. It's got Danny Aiello. They're just great, and they're all. I mean, again, I've not seen it in so long, but I remember. Not really, just kind of sitting down one time at home and watching this when it was on TV or for some reason, and like, oh, this is a great concept. And um, I remember it being these are things just in my memories. We'll we'll find out when we watch it. Mm. Um, this, you know, it's a a gangster movie set in a time with African Americans, which younger me was like, African Americans weren't gangsters. Like, yeah, they were. Just they have to deal <laughs> gangsters differently. You know, that's be- like. Um- the uh, 20s or 30s kind of aesthetic? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Setting. It's uh, prohibition. That's that they're oh, gangsters okay. because of I think alcohol I, I think alcohol is their is their thing they sell. Um and maybe gambling. But uh but because they're all these are like high-powered comedians, it's a, definitely a serious or I guess serious show. It's got a serious theme <laughs> through it, but then you've got comedians who okay, can yeah, yeah, yeah. randomly do like it has that MCU kind of feel to it where they'll quip here and there, sure. right? Which kind of changes the vibe on a turn here and there, which was, I remember being great. And I don't remember any of the quips or any of the lines. So I'm hoping to go back and watch them so again. We'll, and We'll and, see and if any of that holds up. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Could could be terrible. Who, who knows? <laughs> uh, okay. So Harlem Nights um, is what we'll watch next week. I, I was going to pick Big Fish, by the way. I was thinking, really thinking of doing Big Fish because I, I missed that show. Uh, and we oh, just watched yeah. Obi Wan not too long ago, and I'm I like Ian McGregor. Well, we'll do right. it in a couple couple Ian weeks. McGregor is the son in that. Um, let's see what else. I finished season three of The Expanse. Oh, hey, what? Spoilers! Ring the bell, quick. Spoilers! I'm going to ring the bell. Uh, the Expanse. <laughs> right off the bat, Expanse. Spoilers. Bam. The Expanse okay. is uh, an Amazon Prime series sci-fi. Uh, if you have not seen it, definitely skip ahead because there's, uh, you know, a whole story. Whole thing. So, so thing. okay, the whole, refresh me. Whole season three, what was the nutshell of the story here? Okay, three. so um, let me think now. It <laughs> starts um, end of season two. Uh, they, I don't know, stuff with the proto-molecule. Okay, proto molecule. Okay, um, yeah, that's that's kind of a season, that's been involved three, all the way from the beginning. Maybe I don't know. I watch it kind of kind of all together. I don't know if all of season three was about the ring. I think it might have been. Oh, but the ring's sounds, big. Okay, that's good. Sounds right to me. So maybe season two ends with the ring. Okay, right, and the and the ring like starts, the discovery of the ring, or the discover or like the construction, like they trigger yeah. a thing and this and this ring completes itself and then and then all three factions are there sort of looking into it and then they go in and uh um james marsden that's not this show what's his name uh main guy oh james holden 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 is yeah that i don't know why the main the main crew are probably except for uh amos is like i can't stand him (laughs) but yeah, uh, they're. I try they're to forget pretty, their names. They're pretty solidly bland, uh, uh, almost all of them. But um, 
uh, Naomi is not with them. She's with the Belters. Mm. And, and Holden sees Miller, the fedora-wearing detective from, from the first season. Right. And now, he died in, like, going into Venus that caused this whole thing, right? right Didn't he cause right. the ring? Yeah. Like, the, the, the moon Aries or something like that. It's been a long time since I watched the first season and a half, so a lot of those details are fuzzy. Yeah. And this show, especially in the early seasons, is just a lot of, a lot of info. They're dropping a lot of names. You're getting yeah. all this political intrigue and... It's just a lot. It's a lot. That's the that's the term, a lot. And um, going into I don't know if this was just cuz like stuff got more interesting, um but in season 3, I found all of that stuff easier to follow. I think cuz everybody's in the same mm-hmm. place, but there's still a lot going on. You've got still a lot, um yeah. Elizabeth Mitchell uh is the that that pastor who's dealing with her own like conflict between, you know, her duty as a as a religious leader Mm-hmm. Uh, and and caregiver versus her you know intense curiosity and fascination with the unknown um and you've got all of the belters and their sort of worldview and 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 conflict you've got the various mars aligned characters you've got the crew of the the rossi the rasinate um and then all this stuff with holden and miller you've got naomi and her like there's mm-hmm. and then uh you still got um uh uh Christian Christian um, uh, yeah who Avasarala yeah Avasarala she's a bigger she plays a bigger role in season 2 than 3 mm-hmm. um but she's still there and you've got Bobby and and all like there's still a lot of stuff going Just on a, but a I, lot <laughs> I think them all being in the same place like helped make that a little more focused um, and then the the culmination of the season is is Holden communicating back with the aliens again, and then them opening all these portals. They opened up. Oh, okay. So hundreds of portals. Okay. There at the end, and they're like, okay, here's a thing. It's gonna be, it's gonna be the same. It's gonna because they're afraid that the it's it's the the classic, um, which is a weird thing where I think. Sci-fi borrows heavily from uh, uh, fantasy, from Tolkien, mm-hmm. particularly in the like we're in we're living in this time, but there is there is stuff that happened so far back in our past that that we don't know about it. Yeah, and you know, I I attribute that to Tolkien. Tolkien is really more about like a kind of a kind of civilization in decline and maybe something new coming after yeah um which is a shadow of the former which is m- maybe not quite tolkien it's more like um uh the thing they mention in the thing uh the thing wait that it, the thing they you uh, said that you in, said the thing <laughs> in they mentioned this in the movie the thing yeah uh the chariot of the gods which is this sort of borderline racist uh, theory that a lot of the great civilizations of history um, were helped out by aliens, right? The Egyptians yeah. and the Mayans and, and, and some of that stuff. Um, but we you see this in Star Trek. It's in um, the Halo lore. Um, there's a kind of goofy book, audiobook series I'm listening to um, 
that has the same kind of thing like there were some people in the galaxy before some some intelligent life and they did and built all these things and then they left they died out or they oh like mass effect is about they did it's all about right right it's 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 fairly popular in sci-fi um and so you know now we've got uh, warp gates or whatever and we don't know how to build them or how they work but we can use them because they're here and they work this way and we study them and 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 you know uh, and use them and, it, and it's kind of like it, a futuristic archaeology thing right yeah it's future archaeology and it's how you take a series a setting like the expanse which is very grounded in realism which is a weird thing to say about sci-fi right um there are still you know there has been a colony on mars so long that they have their own military their own shipyards their own mm-hmm. culture and and the belt same way and the belt like there yeah. there have been people mining resources in the asteroid belt for so long that it's been generations they have their their own whole culture their own um slightly distorted phil- physiology and all that kind of stuff like all of that stuff is fake right like yeah. we don't we've not never put a person on mars but <laughs> you're right. like you're like okay in the next 100 years What's possible? Are we going to have starships that go at warp and and phaser weapons? Are we going to have lightsabers? Are we going to have magic teleporters that take us from one place to another magically? Yeah. Uh, probably not. Maybe. Right. Who knows? Right? right. That's the whole. That's the whole thing that that separates the very thin line between sci-fi and fantasy. Right. But. The Expanse tried very much to keep everything in the realm of of realism. Yeah, um, I agree. You yeah. know, there's there's still gravity, and gravity is a big deal. Where Star yeah. Trek and Star Wars and a lot of major sci-fi just ignores gravity. Just can't like, wait yeah, it. right? Yeah, there's artificial gravity, and that way we don't have to do a bunch of filming with with wires and for all mankind does that too. Just like hand for all mankind is not great with gravity either. Yeah, for yeah. as much as it it is also trying to do the same kind of, like, realistic sci-fi, quote-unquote. Yeah. Um, but unlike this one, though, that, that does, like, it it's, it's always talks about, you know, projectiles in space and... Right, you know, they're using, they're using guns, they're using projectile weapons, people are using spacesuits, you know, there's all kinds of tech to deal with, like, the vacuum and uh, um, inertia-based gravity and stuff like that. Um and this and this this team of you know creators don't let you they don't let down on that like it's it's something right. like we say in in uh for all mankind that they might have paid attention to a little bit and it feels like they got tired and like and eh, we'll move on from that it's not important but here this whole series they never let up on that that very right. realism and even several times they'll they'll bring it back to remind you that you know you shoot a bullet in space it'll travel all the way to the moon right you know type stuff um there's there's no there's no air resistance no whatever yeah um, to do that and and that becomes a major plot point in season three where there are a lot of people injured and they're like what happens to to uh you know wounds to to skin what 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 do i want to say uh when people are bleeding oh yeah right yeah right when there's no 
when there's no gravity and all that kind of stuff. And if you don't already know that stuff, you shouldn't be listening to this because we're going to spoil well, the, the Yeah. So well, it's, it's, it's way as too deep. in the abstract, but yeah, it's as deep. It's as deep. The show is as deep as Game of Thrones uh, from a novel perspective. Like the, this is obviously yeah. a set of novels. It's, it's not a just books, a series. Right. right. Yeah. It, I think there's, uh, I've got it from here, uh, three, six, nine books. Uh, starting 2011 to 2021, looks like a very consistent series that every year there's been a book put out, uh, mm-hmm. with exception of 2018. Uh, so um, the the writer, it's kind of a joint pen name thing, um, is and is uh, nominated for Hugo Best Novel stuff. Yep, the series yep. uh, was for Hugo Best Series nominated 17. So it's it's got that deep. If you're if you like Game of Thrones reading, this is this feels that level of depth with sci-fi i bet like i can just in the in the show it's like that i can't imagine the books how how deep it gets um so on see in season three were they on an alien planet no okay no it's the i i feel like the whole season it starts with the with the daredevil guy who blasts his way through the the ring trying to impress his girl Oh, yeah, that's right. The speed dude. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. And then the rest of them go in, and they're trapped, and they think it's going to kill them. Um, wow. Yeah, the guy who takes over so the big, belters yeah. wants to wants to blast the ring so that it can't, so that the, the core, the station can't, can't melt the solar system. Yeah. And then they have to stop it, and then it ends with all the portals. So it's it's pretty clearly implied that in the next season in the fourth season is going to start with alien worlds yeah uh i will say that yes the next season that's that was what i was wondering what to talk about with that is that like the next whole season is on an alien world yeah. and and deals with that but but it's so, so funny it's important about the expanse if you're still listening to out of the spoilers which you shouldn't be if you haven't watched this um the expanse is that we as humans are constantly bickering always have very human things we're all we have what could be seen as petty political mm-hmm. stupid human things that star trek will tell us is all fixed right in the future right. and this one tells us that like no that is a that's basically a core part of humanity and we will be that way for all time right and and mm. It's it's that uh, Battlestar thing. This has all happened before. This will happen again, right. type thing. It's like, you know, we forget that in the 1700s, there's the, there was still this bickering with with Republicans and Democrats and and factions in government, and you know, it's just changed and evolved over the time. And now in the Expanse, it it's evolved into three planets or factions of people in the solar system, still right. bickering, still having terrorists still having and then you get which is which makes people like the Rosinante is that you have the one group that actually can see the bigger picture that's mm-hmm. kind of like the um the the everyman type thing where everybody can look into the, those people and say that's that's me we we see the big picture like them right. you know and, right. and they're fighting the proto molecule or things like that that's what makes the Rosinante crew i think appealing for a lot of people mm-hmm as opposed to you get like all these different stories and they're all just about the craziness that pe- the pettiness, I guess to say of humanity and then the importance and the gravity and of humanity all coming together with 
All of a sudden, let's do that and then throw in a, a crazy, crazy ass sci-fi angle like aliens. Right. You know, right. like what happens when you just throw that little crazy bit into this, you know, flawed humanity world and right. see how they deal with it. And that's 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 what this whole series is about is it starts with the proto molecule. Then it goes into the gates and, and it, it still continues with that same drop they drop in the middle of humanity and how they have to deal with it the whole time and it's volatile it's stupid it's crazy it's heroic it's all these kind of things um and it's just that's what makes it fun to watch is you're seeing how these humans are dealing with science fiction what's the science fiction craziness um which they are science fiction it's just you know it's a it's such an interesting thing um and i i went back and and have kind of in front of me the, the cast it's which is massive by the way um because not only does it have overturn it always has just huge amounts of people um, and they all have are so interesting in their own stories to tell on their own i think there's not very many if any flat characters in the expanse everyone is very three-dimensional hmm. um even like um officer Chris, uh, christian's husband will have a a whole rounded characterization to him or you'll see um uh ashford he's one of the belter guys i one of my favorite guys claus i think his name is just totally you think he's just a guy you know an extra character and he's got a whole three-dimensional thing to him you're talking about the, the guy who takes over after um what's her name gets injured yes yeah he's He's David Stratham, 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 yeah. I remember yeah. Alpha and, is where so, yeah. And and you think that he's like a, um, you know, he seems like a like a chief, right? Like a master chief sergeant. Yeah, kind of right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Like all the people love him, and he's here, and he's the old grizzled veteran, and you've got this this newbie in charge, and yeah, he's deferring to her orders, but they have that moment of conflict where the like. You should be in charge, and he's like, "No, I don't. I don't want to be in charge. I'm here doing what I'm, what I want yeah, to be doing." And he he could easily be just a very one dimensional. This is who he is in his character, but the the characters are all. I'm assuming it's because the book is is the book, right? right? And the the writers for the screenplay writers for this thing are just doing everything they can to make sure every one of those characters are fully fleshed out, giving the book its. I can, I'm like guessing proper do, um, mm-hmm. you know, you ever read books and then watch the movie and you're like, that character is so much more interesting in the book. Right. Right. I th- I think that they're, they're successfully making every character as interesting as a book. Carmina, there's the, uh, I don't know if you've got to the, a media girl that goes around on like film stuff or news stuff where they're the, the doctor. Anna is in there. Melba, Marcos, Amos, Holden, they they all have it's funny out of all that i think that the least three-dimensional characters are the rosinante crew i think they're mm-hmm. pretty like straight who they are yeah. Yeah. i think holden is just a paladin and that's it um right He's pretty no, boring. yeah that which makes them which makes them in right in perspective very boring right um right compared to everybody else that is complex in so many ways so mm-hmm. yeah uh cool i season three um it's interesting because it takes place on the alien stuff. I'm, there's nothing I'm going to tell you about that beyond that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 
<laughs> anything else beyond that one? Uh, people are still people, no matter what. I, I, there's there's never right. going to be, I don't think in the Expanse, ever a time when we're like in Star Trek world. I don't think we're ever yeah. going to be a happy, yeah. rosy well, time still, with the Belters and Earth we and can, Mars. We can, we can be out of spoilers in this. It's There's still scarcity, right? There's still people yeah. who don't have what they want or what they need for their for their people to survive there's still a lot of resource scarcity and so there's still conflict between all three factions like they they want and need different things and they have different worldviews and philosophies and yeah and then and then as the story goes i think i said this in one of our discord channels but it's kind of a slow burn like yeah Mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. there's always a lot happening but it is game of thrones is a good comparison there's just a lot of characters a lot of factions a lot of politics and it's all good and well written but it can be kind of overwhelming um yeah. and then as the story goes it takes some kind of big big turns and twists in in the same vein of like you know suddenly daenerys has dragons and she's burning whole yeah you know, right uh, how, whole, how do characters that you know are full characters deal with that right? right and they and they do and they've got their own like legit motivations and history and lives and then it, there's episodes that are devoted to understanding those histories and lives and stuff and then you're like now dragons you know mm-hmm. you're like what 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 how am i supposed to deal with that and then they have these very believable and i and i put that to the writers to the expanse and it's why people mm-hmm. liked it, liked the expanse when it was I can see them, want, you know, fans being concerned. I think it was season four when it was canceled. Um, mm. You know, wanting wanting more of it and wanting to continue on the things, especially with all the books. Um, uh, I think, I'm pretty sure this is the last season that's, that's that, which I have not seen the last one, six. Um, but there's more books. Um, yeah. So I wonder, I, I wonder. I heard, I was listening to a writing podcast and they were talking about this series. Um, and I think the show is done and it's gotten to a point in the books where there's a big time jump. Yeah. And so they're like, yeah, this was a good place to stop because otherwise they would have to recast the whole show. Oh, that's interesting. So so you could pick up the books after this, but it won't necessarily be the same characters, but it'd be in the same world. Kind of like right. reading a, a new story series type thing yeah. set in the same world. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's good. I, I don't think I could read more about Holden and Naomi for, forever. <laughs> Right. I'd be happy if they're 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 moved on. But anyway, yeah, I I I we talked about this before in the past. I went to the series, lost interest because it was so so dry it felt dry and boring and slow, could not keep up with it. And then somehow got had several nights in a row where I could watch it and then just got hooked. And I think it just takes that just takes that time for you to watch it. And I think if you yeah, finish a season, you will be hooked. Right, it just takes you to finish a season, and then yeah. you have perspective on. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is what I went through to get here. Right, right, um, and and you're happy for it. In, in the, and it makes me want to watch season six again. But I'm I'm excited for you to to get onto three. And man, it's amazing. There's three, four, and five still for you to go, um, which are all epic, epic stuff <laughs> that happens. Um, yeah. So besides that, um, uh, we're still watching for all mankind. Uh, mm-hmm. There's still episodes in season three of the Orville, um, Paper Girls. We mentioned last week. That's a Netflix show, so yeah, we're gonna start watching. All that. I, or, I watched the first episode already. That one. That might be on Prime now. I've forgotten. It's been a long weekend. Whatever. The whole series is out, so we're gonna watch all of that. Um, 
Harley there's Quinn a, is out. There's I've a not new season of Harley of Quinn. I was going to say that. Um, and I feel like there's at least one or two others. I maybe have some anime recommendations, but I'll save those for next week. The, the Orville is, which you mentioned, is winding down, correct? I think they're they're coming up on their... their, their in, um, their their season crazy. season finale at least yeah yeah that's that's what I what I hear is is, is winding down uh, and we'll we'll talk about that one for sure later I will say without talking about it specifically I think for all mankind is maintaining its its um it's consistent it's still being consistent with mm-hmm. what it is uh good and great which we'd like you know and uh we're not at the end yet but um every episode if not every other episode I'm I'm thoroughly entertained, I feel. So, right. and for, for different reasons than The Expanse. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was at Gen Con and saw a couple of NASA things. And I had a, a, while I've always been a NASA fan and always liked this stuff, I had a different perspective seeing an, like a, a NASA mm. pin. You know, I'm like, it's just like, like, oh, you know, what they go through to, when they went to Mars. Like, wait, no, they didn't actually go to Mars. You know? That's not real. That's not real. Yeah, That's that not was, real. That was like me being in Houston. I'm like, oh, this is where the room where where Margot talked to Aleda and told her about how math is music. And I'm like, no, wait, that's not real. That's not, that's not right. I saw, <laughs> I saw, uh, there was a thing like a tribute to Ed something or other, one of the NASA things, uh, here at the con. And it wasn't, it was an Ed, a, like an actual life Ed something or other. And I was like, mm-hmm. hey, that must be Ed, the, the Ed, you know, like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. All right. Uh, I thought I had something else, but I don't know. The, I think I, I think we're good. Yeah, the we, shows. We have, oh, we I, have a lot I, to talk about. I th- I think I'm gonna watch um at least one episode of Sandman. Um, oh yeah, I saw that pop up on Netflix. Our I, friends are talking about that. I don't really know anything about it, but there's it's um, it's like a there was independent comic book written. I think it's by it's like Alan Moore or Alan Moore esque type person. Oh, cool. in, in the same vein of like Watchmen, Watchmen type things, yeah. right? People love uh, that stuff. I think it was yes, it's loved in the same way that Watchmen was loved. I'm not saying I know anything about it because I also in the exact same boat you are. That's my extent of it. It was a comic book series that gets whispered in the same tone that Watchmen was. Oh, are they, sh- are they ever going to make Sandman? Are they ever going to do that? Are they gonna, you know, like, I don't know, man. So <laughs> I saw that it's on there. We need to watch it probably. Probably. Sure. <laughs> probably. Who knows? Well, maybe we'll love it. All right. So next week is Harlem Nights. Yes. Uh, you've been listening to Front Porches, episode 258. Thanks always to our friends at LRM Online. You can check them out. Our buddy Fox writes reviews on all things. If you want to reach out to us with suggestions for things we should watch and discuss, tell us your favorite uh, hitherto unknown sci-fi series or adaptation. Uh, yeah. You can reach us via email. That address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. Or if you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we have contact forms, uh, show notes when relevant, and maybe someday I'll update that movie list. Probably not, though. If you enjoy The Front Porch, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a positive review, we always appreciate that. It helps out so much. Thanks, as always, for listening. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For The Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. (laughs) 